morning, Generations Church. I have the honor to be with you today. My name is Matt Cook. Um, Pastor Josh can't be here. He actually uh, was visiting an awesome family who I'm um, actually in Ohio uh, doing a funeral for them. Um, and praise God for a pastor who is willing to drop everything and, and go spend time with the family that is hurting and, and bring comfort and love to that family. So I, in his absence, I have the privilege of being here today. I'm actually going to be able to preach in person on Sunday as well. But I'm excited about uh, this opportunity. Uh, my wife and I actually have a, a ministry called A Joyful Family. And um, I spoke a couple weeks ago, and um, I'm, back, I'm back again today. And a lot of times um, when I speak, the message of joy and hope uh, is, is what comes out uh, typically when God starts working with me and stuff. And so this is a message uh, of hope today that I get to bring with you. Um, if you haven't noticed, or you probably already did, there isn't worship today. And so I just want to encourage you, um, don't, uh, don't miss your worship time today. You know, there's been some transitions here with our online church at Generations and um, working through some things. But when this is over, find your favorite worship song. Find something that, that you can just get quiet. And sometimes you can have the most beautiful worship moment just in your home. You alone with God or with your family. And stuff, and so don't miss out today. And so, uh, hopefully, this message encourages you and challenges you. And then, right after that, um, put the music on and um, just get lost in the Holy Spirit for a few minutes. And let's see what you know. Let God invade your home and see what happens. It'll it'll be awesome. Um, but like I said today, um, I have a message about hope. Um, something that's it's becoming more dear to my heart um, as I've discovered uh, in life. Sometimes we, we tend to focus on uh, the more glamorous aspects of our faith. Um, I've done a, a lot of studies on joy, and joy is very important. Um, we lo always love talking about faith. Um, faith is the building block of, of what we do, um, what I believe, uh, my faith in Jesus. And so it's so important. But God's really, really been talking to me over the last couple of weeks about the importance of hope. Um, and so I just wanted to uh, hopefully share some insight, you know, challenge you, encourage you, uh, leave you with some hope today. Um, but let's just jump in there. Um, Hebrews 11.1 1 is going to be kind of our foundational start um, to what God wants to do today. Um, it says, this is a, a very common, very common passage. Uh, most people can quote this from memory. It says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Um, and it's another translation says, faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance of what we do not see. So it's, you have to understand that faith relies on hope. Hope is that first seed that's planted that gives you something to believe in. That old song, you know, I just want something to believe in. Um, hope is where it starts. Hope is that anticipation that, okay, something's out there that, that not only do I want, I can have that. There, there's that, that, initial that deposit of something and um the actually the word so i i'm the guy who looks up the original wordage um i love to look it up maybe in the greek and it's funny you look up the word hope in the greek and it says hope so i went deeper uh and it says i actually went to the dictionary and that hope is is a feeling that what is wanted can be had or that events will turn out for the best so i'm hoping for the best if you have kids um, Christmas time is a time full of hope. They're hoping that that list that they give you is under the tree or whatever. Uh, it's They're anticipating something. And then uh, another 
definition for the word hope is it's to look forward to with desire or reasonable confidence to believe in to trust um and to, or to feel that something desired may happen and so you hear those those words that sound a lot like faith but you have to realize that it's hope is where faith begins it's that initial feeling that what what i want i can have that and what happens the way that god designed things is in your heart, hope starts as a seed, and then you water it, and you think it, and you water it by your thoughts, and you meditate on it, and you start finding ways to make it happen. And eventually, what um, the Bible actually says, as a man is in his heart, so as a man thinks in his heart, so is he, because you initially act on those thoughts. And so, we have to realize that hope is like a seed planted in our hearts, um, it all starts there. Um, for my kids this morning, um, I stopped by Missy's and brought donuts, and they they immediately they wake up, see the box. They don't have to hope; they know it's there. That they know donuts. Um, my youngest two love chocolate with sprinkles, and so they know they open the box and there's chocolate and sprinkles waiting for them. It doesn't take faith or hope; they know it's there. And so that hope is for something that you don't have. It's something that you want, you're longing for that you believe that you're going to get. But if it's tangible right now, it doesn't require faith or hope. It's just right in front of you. And so um, another example in my life is I remember the day that I met my wife. I I'm, I'm remember I was going on a job interview uh, at a church in Fort Worth, and I was nervous, typical nerves as you are to, to do a job interview. And I remember walking down with this lady from HR to go meet the supervisor that I was going to interview with. And I passed by this, uh, this doorway into the break room, and I met eyes with this beautiful blonde, she had short blonde hair, was wearing this um, blue dress with white stripes, four-link dress. I can tell you exactly where she's standing. I can tell who she was standing next to, and her eyes met. And that moment is frozen in my memory forever. And I thought to myself, you know, if I get my, if I get this job, I want to find out who that girl is. I want to get to know her. And so, about two months later, I started uh, working there and ended up sitting like 10, 15 feet from this girl, and I was hooked. It was. I spent 40 hours a week working with Heather. Um, and after, I think it was maybe the first week or the second week, I'd already asked her out on our first date. Um, and, and then. A long winding road later, uh, we end up married. But it started with that initial deposit. Okay, there's someone that uh, that I want to get to know. I had hope for something, and I took that hope, and that hope turned to faith because you know what? I believed that I was going to date her, and I believed that I was going to marry her. And it's but it all starts with that initial deposit, and so that is that's how faith works. Faith is a deposit again. Is the initial seed that turns into faith because hope, again, with my situation, led me first to a desire for something that I wanted it to happen, and then I started acting out on it, and then I started taking radical steps. I spent a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of money pursuing Heather, but it all started with hope. And so um, I honestly believe that one of Satan's best tactics that he has uh, is he robs people of hope. And it is so important to realize this tactic is because whenever you give up hope, you have nothing left to believe in. And that could be your marriage. Um, if you've ever been in a hopeless situation, I've talked to couples who have lost hope in their marriage. And when it happens, they lose faith in their spouse. They lose faith 
in the institution of marriage because they've lost hope. Um, I've seen people lose hope in their kids. Um, they lose hope in their ability to parent their kids. I've seen people lose hope in, in finances or job situations that just seem hopeless. And what happens is as we lose hope, we start losing the ability to believe that there is something better. We start losing the ability to believe that life isn't going to be like this forever. Uh, you start becoming content in your misery when you lose hope or think that you're just doomed to this existence or you're doomed to a, a joyless and passionless marriage or you're doomed to be like every other family and your uh, teenagers uh, just rebel and do what they want or you're doomed to never exceed your finances. You're doomed to always be you know, poverty-stricken or, or doomed to always be sick. When you lose hope, you lose that faith that it really is. You lose faith in God's ability to take you from where you're at and go go further. And so um, we have to realize that the biggest trap uh, that we fall into is placing our, our hope in some uh, things that aren't necessarily things that they should be. Um, the most important thing that we have to realize is that if we're going to hope in something, we're going to have to hope in God. Uh, God is the foundation. He's the, he's our source, and a lot of trap trappings, um, uh, you know, things that we deal with is we put our hope in tangible things. We put our hope in okay, um, I have a good job. That job's gonna provide. I put all of my hope and all of my faith in that job to be the provider for my family. Well, that what happens if that job hits a pandemic and it's not stable? Or I put all of my hope in my spouse to make me happy. What happens if your spouse hits a rough patch or they go through something or they stop meeting the needs that you necessarily think you have? Or I put all of my hope in my kids. You know, my kids are going to save my marriage. My kids are going to make me happy. My kids are going to fill the void. Um, and you put all of your hope into these things. And it's when you do that, you're putting hope in, in things or in people that can't ever meet your expectations. You're putting hope in things that are flawed and as imperfect as you are um, and there's no marriage out there that can sustain you the way that God can there's no relationship with your children that can meet all of your needs the way God can there's no job situation that can provide for you the way God can and th so there's no doctor that can cure you the way that God can there's no so you have to realize that God needs to be the source of, of hope for us um, and there's this wonderful scripture, and if uh, you have your, your Bibles with you, turn to Isaiah 40. Um, I love these scriptures whenever um, God's just kind of showing off a little bit and, and saying, okay, I am, I am God, there's no one like me. The supremacy of God is something that we sometimes lose. Um, what happens really easily with us is we look around at a very flawed world. We look at our own imperfections. When you see the mirror, sometimes you see the, the age spots or the, the weight we've put on or the, the hair that's going away and you see all these things that you would change. And then what if we're not careful, we'll assign these imperfections to God because that's all we understand. We're, we're flawed by nature. But God is not like that. God is supreme above our expectations is perfect beyond our capacity to comprehend. And so we have to remind ourselves, that's why, again, if we're going to put hope in something, it has to be on God because nothing else can be as stable or as faithful or as perfect or as loving or as pure as God is. And this scripture in Isaiah 40, um, it starts in verse 12. 
and it's I just love it because it's talking about just the magnitude of our God. It says, Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket, or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills on a balance? Who has understood the mind of the Lord or instructed him in his, as his counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him, and who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? And this is talking about, okay, God's saying, who can do this but me? Who has measured the waters in the hollow of I mean, who carved out the mountains? And I love the part that says, who has understood the mind of the Lord or instructed him as his counselor? Um, I've not once had God show up in on my doorstep and say, hey, uh, Matt, I need some help. I need your advice. Um, he's a lot smarter than I am. And it says, who taught the Lord the right way? And so the magnitude of our God is that he's beyond us. The Bible actually says in Isaiah that his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our, our thoughts. And we have to realize that, that God is supreme over us. And if we can trust in anyone, if we can hope in anyone, it has to be God. And it skips over uh, to verse 25 uh, in Isaiah. Again, Isaiah 40, 25 says, To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal? Says the Holy One. Lift your eyes and look to the heavens who create, created all of these. He who brings out the starry hosts one by one and calls each by name because of his great power and mighty strength that not one of them is missing. And I love that. To whom will you compare me with or who is my equal, says God. Look around you. There's not a job. There's not a relationship. There's not a doctor. There's not a counselor. There's not a psychiatrist or psychiatrist. There's not, no one. No one can be a, your source. No one can compare it or is God's equal. Uh, no, no marriage, no children, no family, no parents. None of it can meet the needs that God and in a way that only God can. He is your source of hope. There is no one compared. There is no equal to God. Um, and you switch, go down a little bit further to verse 28 it says do you know have you not heard the lord is an everlasting god the creator of the ends of the earth he will not grow weary he will not grow tired or weary and his understanding no one can fathom he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak even youths grow tired and weary and the young men stumble and fall but those who hope in the lord will renew their strength they will soar on wings like eagles they will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Those who hope in the Lord. And I'll repeat this again just because it's so powerful. Do you know, have you not heard that the Lord is an everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth? He will not grow tired or weary in his understanding no one can fathom. God never gets tired of being God. God never gets tired of showing up big in our lives. God never gets bored with humanity. It's like, oh, I'll, you know, they're on their own for a while. That's not how this works. God is faithful. He is there for us every time. He doesn't get tired of being God. He doesn't grow weary. And his understanding is beyond your ability to comprehend. So it doesn't make sense sometimes how the world can just mess with us and throw us these curveballs that we swing and miss badly. Or we're, we're obeying the voice of God and we're doing exactly what we're supposed to do. And we find ourselves out in the middle of the water led there by God and the storm rages around us and we get frustrated we lose hope sometimes and what happens is you know go back to Peter walking in the water 
Peter sees Jesus walking on the water and says, Lord, if you want me to come to you, I will. So the man gets out of the boat. Craziest thing in the world. But he got distracted. He lost hope in what he could get to Jesus because he looked around at the situation around him. And so we have to remember that God has to be the source of our hope. No one can compare. No one can meet your needs like the way that God can. And so if anyone is going to be the source of anything is going to be the source of hope for you, foundational, you build on top of that. God is your hope. He's a source of hope. And now what happens is that the deposit that it talks about, that they, those who hope in the Lord, that's the beginning, the seeds of faith. And Romans 10, 17 says, Faith comes by hearing, hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. It's an interesting translation because we've always heard faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. We know that. But I want you to hear this part. It says, Faith comes from hearing the message, which is the good news, the gospel, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. So when that was written by Paul, there was no Bible for him to turn to that he could walk around. But he heard, heard the message of Christ. He heard the words of Christ, the miracles of Christ. And it, it created hope and then built faith. And so I want to encourage you and challenge you that God is a source of your hope. But if you don't know this book, there's no faith that can follow that hope. Because it's the, the faith that, that comes from in God and from God is founded in these Old Testament scriptures that prophesy and speak and look forward to the Messiah. There's in these New Testament scriptures that that show a, a Savior who came down from heaven that loved humanity in the middle of our mess. And it shows a faithful God who sent the Holy Spirit to be a helper and a teacher. I mean, every one of these pages is intentional and it builds faith. You can look at the stories of David and Goliath and get encouraged that if God showed up for David, he'll show up for me. And I can see the story of Paul and Acts where that snake bit his hand and he shook it off. Because let me tell you, I hate snakes. I have a garden and I'm always looking for snakes because I despise them. But a snake bit him. It should have killed him. He was fine. God shows up. And so you read these stories and you read all throughout this book and it builds faith. God is a source of hope, and that hope in God, in His Word, is what stirs up faith in you, and it's the faith that can move mountains. And again, we have to realize that we're putting our faith and our hope in someone who is not like us. It says in, in Numbers that God is not human. Numbers twenty three nineteen. God is not human that He should lie, not a human being that He should change His mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? There's another uh, scripture that says that God is perfectly faithful. So God's not a human. He doesn't lie. He doesn't speak and then not act. And if he, if he promises it, he will do it. And so this book, this Bible, is full of promise after promise after promise that shows the faithfulness of God, the power of God, the love and compassion and mercy and grace of God. And if he did it for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, if he did it for the woman caught in adultery, and if he did it for just so many different people, he'll do it for you. There's not a situation that you face that is hopeless to God because he's not confined to our, our situations. He's not limited to our capacity. He doesn't grow tired. He doesn't get frustrated. He's there for us every time. And something that's, uh, 
it's the key to 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 me to really dig into this a little bit. And it's funny looking at back in the forties and fifties, you saw a rise in these uh, major evangelists, um, preachers like Oral Roberts. Um, started preaching this as they do this huge tent crusades going around the, the country. They started preaching this the concept and the, the scripture of God being a good God, and people lost their minds, freaked out because religion says that God's a just God and He's a you know righteous, but the goodness of God had lost or was lost on some people, and they missed the mark because they didn't understand that God is love and therefore He is good, and whenever you don't trust actually let me back up when you don't believe God is good you don't trust God and if you don't trust God it's hard to love God it's definitely hard to obey God because you're always just scared about if if he's if I mess up he's gonna lightning bolt from from heaven and I'm in, uh, in trouble but it says in first John 4 8 that God is love he's the very personification of love and that love is a good love uh, the most one of the most uh, common scriptures uh, that we all know, but it's worth looking at again. First uh, Christian, sorry, First Corinthians thirteen, because if First John four eighteen is true and God is love, then it says that God is patient, that God is kind, God does not envy, God does not boast, He is not proud, He is not rude, He is not self-seeking, He's not easily angered, He keeps no record of wrongs. He doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. God always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, and he never fails. And so that is a God, if you think about it, so read 1 Corinthians 13, and read verses 4 through 8, and when you see the word love, put God there every time. And that's a God that I can hope in. That's a God that has my best interest in heart. It says he doesn't delight in evil. God doesn't delight in you being attacked spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically. God doesn't uh, delight in you being uh, just broke. Um, he doesn't delight in you being broken or frustrated or just struggling to get by. My God says, Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life abundantly. That's the goodness of God. And so we have to look at that kind of God, that God of power, the God that created the heavens and earth, the God who can do the miraculous, it's that God of love. And yes, should we fear and respect him? Absolutely. But we can't get lost in just that part of God. We have to look at the full character of God. And he's, he's power, but he's also grace. And he's righteous, but he's also loving. And so the full magnitude of my God is that he doesn't delight in evil. He always protects, he always trusts, God always hopes, and he always perseveres. God always perseveres. He comes through for us every single time. And again, that's a God that I can hope in. That's a God that I can trust in. And so now that we know that God is love, um, and, and we'll end on this scripture. It says in Romans 8, 35, And it says, uh, 8.35 and uh, 39. Yeah, there we go. So who, can sh who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? 
as it is written, For your sake we face death all day. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. So Paul's writing here said, Can anything separate us from God's love? Will, will trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword, that pretty much covers all of it. Will any of that separate you from God's love? He says, no. In all of these things, we are more than conquerors. That is, more than conquerors means that we're not just barely scraping by. We're exceeding expectation. We're, we're more than conquerors. We're not having, God fought the battle. We get to walk in the victory. And then he says, I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want you to go back and read Romans 8, that last, that last passage, uh, verses 35 through 39. It says, I'm convinced that nothing... There is no power, there is no person, there is no name, there is no authority. Nothing can be able to intervene and separate you from God's love. And God's love never fails. God's love is never not there for you. Um, and I thought we were going to uh, end, but there's just one more scripture that I want us to look at that gives me hope. And if you can turn to 2 Corinthians 4, 8, and 9. Because we've talked about God as a He's a just God. He's a, he, we mentioned the magnitude of God, the the supremacy of God. No one can compare to our God. He's a good God. He's a God of love, and that nothing can separate us from that love. But it says in Second Corinthians four eight, we are we are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. I know what it's like to feel like you're you're pressed, you're stressed. Life is a just it seems like it's intense as a pressure cooker. You're confused, you're perplexed, you're frustrated. You may even feel persecuted. You may even feel like life has knocked you down. You may feel like you're at the end of your rope and you've lost hope and there's nothing else and you're just you're just trying to scrape by and you're just trying to stay together in your marriage until the kids get out of high school and then you're going to get a divorce and just be done with your life because you've lost hope. Or you can't wait for your kids to get out of the house and graduate and move on because you've lost hope in your kids. Or you're living paycheck to paycheck and every time you get paid the money's already spent from the previous not being enough and you feel like you're trapped in this vicious cycle. And sometimes it just seems hopeless. Sometimes life it just feels like you're in this intense pressure cooker. But what Paul is saying, you're hard-pressed on every side, but you're not crushed. You're perplexed, but you're not in despair. You're persecuted, but not abandoned. You're struck down, but not destroyed. What he's saying is that Satan can throw everything possible at you, but through God, you will not be defeated. If you hope in him, you will overcome every single time. He will carry you through every single time. So I just want to encourage you, no matter what situation you're at in your life, no matter how hopeless it may seem, no matter how frustrated you may get, turn to God. Turn the TV off. Get quiet. I've been waking up every morning about 5.30, 5 o'clock in the morning to get quiet with God just to have that time because I need that deposit of God to have hope. 
and to do exactly what I'm called to do. So I just want to encourage you, find that time, escape with God. Let these words put hope in your heart. Start believing again. Start believing that life will be okay, that God will be there for you, that he will carry you through like his word says. Read these passages from the Old Testament to the New Testament and see the just the powerful omnipotence of our God. And know that if he said those words, that he's not a man that he should lie. If God said it, he will do it every single time. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for being a God of hope. I thank you for being a God of love. And Lord, I just ask that everyone watching, Lord, that you just invade their home. You stir their faith. You show them exactly how much you love them, how much you care about them, that you went to the cross for them. And that you have their best interest in heart. That you don't delight in evil. But Lord, that you're, you're a God of hope, of, of exceeding expectations. You do exceedingly abundantly beyond what we could ask or think. And Lord, I just ask that you just show them just the hope that they can have in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining this, me this morning again. Find your worship time. Go get your, your best music and get along with God. Uh, fight your battles the right way. Praise God in the middle of your storm if you have to, but he is so faithful and he's worthy of your praise. Have a great day.